Hello everyone, this is episode 737 of the Pixelated Sausage Podcast for the week of Friday, September 11th, 2020. I'm your host, Mark Kuznets, and today I'll be talking about the suicide of Rachel Foster, Bounty Battle, Bantle? Bounty Battle, Deleveled, Necromunda Underhive Wars, Wintermore Tactics Club, Tony Hawk's Pro Skater 1 Plus 2, and a little bit of Drake Hollow, which I talked about on a previously episode, previously, previous episode, uh, about a month or so ago, I don't know, it was in beta, I think in June, so more than a month ago, about three months, it's been a while I guess, and yeah, but before I get to all that I've been playing, I think I'll talk about some news, there was a, a bit of news that's happened since the last episode, including this Ubisoft Forward event, and the reveal of the Xbox Series S, as well as the release date and the pre-order date for both the Series X and the S. And there was the Nintendo Mario 35th Anniversary stuff that came out. But I think that came out around the time I was recording, or just after, somewhere around there. Maybe a little bit before as well. But I want to focus on the Series X, the Xbox news, because that is the stuff that I'm most interested in, and the other stuff is either old news, the Mario stuff has been talked to death by everyone. People are upset because Mario 64 is not widescreen, and Galaxy 2 is not included in the collection, and blah, 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 whatever. I'm happy enough because I get to play games that I never played in a much easier way than hooking up a Nintendo 64 or a GameCube or a Wii, and I get to do it in HD when it looks much cleaner. It may not be a full-on remake or whatever, but it'll look nice enough, and I am excited about that. And I'm I'm excited to play Nintendo. Yeah, I'm excited to play Nintendo 64. I'm excited to play Mario 64 because that's the only one I did play, except I played the DS version, and apparently that one, according to everyone who's played the 64 version, is a piece of garbage, and no one should like the DS version of Nintendo... <laughs> I keep calling it Nintendo 64. Of Mario 64... Because it's, whatever, I don't know, the camera or something. I don't know what people don't like about it. But I remembered enjoying it at the time. And maybe it's just because I didn't have that previous experience. But whatever. The Ubisoft news too as well. I had no idea Gods and Monsters was getting renamed. So when they revealed the game at the very beginning that was, that was Gods and Monsters, Gods and Monsters, I was like, what is this? I thought this was Gods and Monsters, but it's got some weird name, blah, 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 Phoenix Rising. And I was confused for a good minute before they talked about how they changed the name and everything. I don't think they gave an explanation. And I wonder if it's some copyright issues or maybe they thought it just sounded too generic, but at least Gods and Monsters is something I could remember and whatever fuck Phoenix Rising. I just, I remember Phoenix Rising in part because they put a Y in Phoenix instead of an I, and I'm like, God damn it. <laughs> but whatever. I, Regardless of the name, I think that game looks like it could be really cool, except when they showed more gameplay, the UI looks really... I don't, I don't know how else to put it other than cheap. It, it comes across as like a low-budget game to me for whatever reason. But they also showed some other stuff, including some game with mountain bikes and flight suits, wingsuits, and other stuff that initially got me excited for about 
five seconds when I thought to myself, oh my God, is someone doing another downhill domination? Finally, a game I adore and wish I could play right now on modern consoles, but that was quickly destroyed with this game that I don't even know what it's about. I know there's one mode that is the mass races, which is, I think, 50 players just going downhill. And I don't know if it plays out like Fall Guys where you hit a certain checkpoint or whatever, and however many people get knocked out and blah, blah, blah. Like, that could be fun, but I look at that game and I think to myself, that looks like a free-to-play game or the type of game that I would not want to pay money for, but maybe pay for skins to customize the look of my biker and stuff like that. But I don't want to pay upfront $60 or whatever it's going to be to play it. Maybe it'll be cheaper and it'll be more tantalizing. But I, yeah, I was bummed when I first thought, oh my God, downhill domination. And then it was all crushed. And I, I don't know who's making it, but it just seems like it's being made by the, the Steep Studio. But to the news that I care about the most, the Series X and Series S announcements that came out thanks to leaks. Uh, so if you weren't on the internet and weren't paying attention to anything, I don't remember what day it was, but one of the days recently, one of the days this past week, there were... A few leaks. There was, there's one leak in particular that came out about the Series S showing its design and a price. And then after that happened, leak after leak after leak came out either confirming what was already shown or providing additional information. And I, I believe it all really crescendoed with the post by Windows Central, I believe, that gave more details, including the release date, which was later confirmed, and the two payment plans for the Series X and the Series S of $25 a month or $35 a month, which would include the console as well as Game Pass Ultimate. And we also learned that EA Play was joining Game Pass Ultimate. And yeah, so the Series S was announced and shown after all the leaks. Microsoft did come out and just confirm it because, like, okay. This everything's out here pretty much, except for us saying, yes, this is what it looks like. This is how much it costs, blah, 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 blah. And they did come out and confirm pretty much everything. And I say pretty much everything because there is one thing that is not yet concrete. And people will probably say, and yes, the likelihood of it changing is very slim. But depending on what Sony does with the PlayStation 5 pricing, if they do announce it before the pre-order dates go live so to just rewind it a little bit the series s and the series x will be releasing on november 10th of this year and the pre-order date will be september 22nd so there's still a little time before pre-orders go live and the series s will cost 300 dollars, and the series x will cost 500 dollars. except these are both erps they are estimated retail prices which means they can change. Will they change? Probably not. But if Sony announces that the PS5 disc version is 500 and the discless version, the digital version, is 400 or 450, there is the possibility that Xbox could say, we want to have the Series X on par with the cheapest version of the PlayStation 5. Because the only difference between PlayStation 5 
digital and disk is the lack of a drive or the addition of a drive. They are both as powerful, which is not the case with the Series S and the Series X. So it would make sense to want to have your high-end machine be on the same level as the cheapest version of Sony's high-end machine because they're both Sony's high-end machine. Just one doesn't have a disk drive. So that could change. And if that happens, I could see the Series S dropping $50 as well. If the if the PlayStation 5 Digital is $400, that's a much harder sell for Microsoft. I would love it if that pushed Microsoft to drop the price of the Series X to $400 because that's the console I'm getting. So I'm perfectly fine with that if that happens. But I think that's an interesting little wrinkle in all this stuff is that they're still very much so humoring at least the idea of changing the prices or they wouldn't on every bit of information specify these are the estimated retail prices even in the little one and a half minute trailer they put out there for the series s reveal they gave you a lot of details they gave you a lot of information they gave you the release date they did not put the price in the trailer they put the price out there in a tweet and elsewhere but they didn't put it in the trailer even mentioning erp they just left it out so who knows it'll be interesting and and maybe sony looks at that and they're saying to themselves okay they are not yet concrete on these prices if we wait to reveal our stuff our information until after pre-orders go live then it's going to be much harder for them to change right it it would be a little weird for the price to drop after but we'll see how everything goes but uh yeah the series s is a tiny machine but it's also weird looking i hate the fucking grill i think it looks incredibly stupid it would look so much better if it was just the same color as an all white machine with this giant round black grill which i'm assuming is where the airflow comes out of and that's fine it looks significantly better when it's laid flat not standing which is how we first saw it but it just looks really stupid i i can't get behind it ultimately it doesn't matter what the consoles look like, but I just, I look at it and I'm like, why is it black? Why is it black? It just, it doesn't make any sense. It makes it look like a hot plate. I want to cook food on it. I don't want to play games with it. And that's just weird. But at the same time, I'm never, ever going to get one of those. It's, it's not for me at all. I want the most powerful machine that'll give me the best versions of my games to play. So yeah, there are also was i don't know when it was announced but microsoft and xbox will be having a showcase i can't remember if it was to open tgs but they're having a showcase at tgs they've already said that no next gen stuff will be there but it it is making me wonder what they could possibly be shown because they're not going to be showing Western games. They're not going to be showing games like gears and halo and what have you so what could they be showing and I could put out things that I'd love to see them show at their event, but I am going to mention just a few things that I think are pretty likely, given that this is a TGS showcase and not a stateside or European showcase. So what I expect to see, because I don't expect to see them reveal a bunch of new IPs or shit like that, but like, hey, we got all these new Japanese games. I'm expecting a lot of ports and the like. So what I am fully expecting is that they will finally announce that, yes, Yakuza 3, 4, 5, and 6, and Judgment as well, are coming to Xbox at some point in the hopefully near future. I would, like, 
the like pie in the sky hope would be that persona 4 golden is coming to xbox and of course if persona 4 or any of the other persona games are coming to xbox they would also be coming to switch and ps4 and all that jazz and i fully expect that i mean persona 4 golden will 100 percent be on ps4 and probably switch at some point and sega has said after the success of persona 4 golden on pc that they want to aggressively start porting games because of the success of that so i could see that happening and that, that would be a really big reveal for them, even though it would be coming to all the other consoles as well. I, I don't think they'd get a timed exclusivity deal with Persona 4 Gold, and that'd be fucking mind-blowing. But I wouldn't be surprised if they're able to just reveal that, yes, it's coming to all consoles, including Xbox One. I would love to see the Earth Defense Force games come back to Xbox. That'd be great. It is never, ever too late to port the Disgaea games to a new console. And I think... Disgaea 4 Complete just came out on PC. So there's always time for that, but I, I, I don't know really what to expect from their event at TGS because they don't have a lot of love and support from the Japanese development community. And even when they had their whole event, I don't know if it was the first event with third parties where they showed that wall of a bunch of like developers and publishers I remember looking over that whole thing and I did not see Atlas. I did not see NIS America. And those are two really big names in there. So they could have just been missing for whatever reason. Maybe Atlas was missing because they're just like, hey, it's part of Sega. We don't need to put them on there. NIS, what? I don't know. But I'm going to be very interested to see what they show because it has to be something that appeals to the Japanese consumer base, which is basically non-existent for xbox but they could try and they're not going to win the next generation or anything like that they're not even going to compete per se i think the japanese market is just the switch's market and everyone else is vying for second place and not even really like a strong second place just you know something else but we'll see i think the one thing xbox series x and s has going for it over the playstation 5 is that space is much more limited in japan and both the Series X and the Series S are smaller. So if they have games and they come out on Game Pass as well, there, there's a chance that the Xbox can be not a strong contender in Japan, but at least not non-existent, which is what they've pretty much been this past gen. So I, I'm very curious to see what they show. But I think if nothing else, the Yakuza games and Judgment are almost a lock to happen maybe not judgment maybe that'll still be a ways off but given that yakuza 0 and kiwami 1 and 2 have come out now they were announced whenever and they're all available now on xbox and i think they're all still part of game pass it would be really weird if the rest of the games didn't make their way at some point they could also potentially announce their release for but i mean i feel like this stuff should still be geared towards the japanese market but they could announce there have been rumors that the yakuza samurai game which i can't remember the name of it that that was potentially finally going to be coming stateside which would be great news i'd love that but i don't think that makes sense at tgs but yeah they're going to be there they're going to have a showcase what are they going to show who knows 
everything I mentioned isn't next gen. So I'm excited to see what ends up coming out from that event. But let's get on to what I've been playing, right? Let's start with The Suicide of Rachel Foster, which is a first person horror-esque game in the same vein as something like Gone Home or Firewatch. It's horror-ish in that you're not sure what's going on, but I mean, and these, these are spoilers for it that, you know, could there be a ghost there? Could there be something more that's happening and not just heavy winds hitting the windows and branches hitting the windows and the power going out and stuff like that? But it is a three to four hour game. That's how long it took me to get through it, where you are playing a young woman who is going to her family's hotel or something. And you are just checking up on things and seeing if there's anything you want to take with you before you sell this place after your father passed away. And you are learning information about this Rachel Foster girl who killed herself when she was 16 years old. And the game does a good job with atmosphere and mood and all that. There are some really cool things it does in order to build up the tension. For instance, there is a point where the power goes out and in order to see in the dark, you take this Polaroid camera and you use the flash to just give you a brief moment of light to see where you are and see where you're going, which is pretty scary and it's tense and I enjoyed that and I enjoyed certain elements about the game, but I think where the game ultimately falters is in the story. Suicide is a very heavy and difficult topic that requires a lot of thought and care and sensitivity and how you deal with it and handle it and portray it and use it as part of your story. And it is very much being used in the suicide of Rachel Foster. And I don't think it comes across that well. And the, the way the story goes, the twists that happen in the very end... Because your only interaction throughout the game is with this person, Irving, whose name I do remember. I don't remember your name, but I do remember the person on the other end of the line, which is very Firewatch-esque in the way you would be talking to that other person while you were in the woods and all that. You have this person who is helping you out and giving you some advice and just being there for you when you are feeling a bit worried about certain things that are happening. And it, it, it all takes place over nine days. Some of the days are very short. But the way it handles its story, which I don't want to get into too much in case people do want to check it out. I don't, want, I don't want to spoil things. But I don't think it does a great job of dealing with suicide as a topic. The way it ends, I think, is pretty problematic. And the, just the way the story goes and some of the twists that happen, I'm like... This doesn't make all that much sense. And on top of all that, it's broken in ways. For one, the achievements are completely broken on Xbox at least. You can't unlock any of them at this point in time. And there were a few times where I had to completely back out of the game and restart it because I was unable to interact with objects that I needed to in order to progress the story. And the the gameplay really just involves you walking around this hotel and doing various fetch quest types of things or just exploring a space so the the power goes out you find your way to the power room and then you turn it back on the heat's off you go to the boiler room and you turn the heat on you do a lot of stuff like this and while you're doing this 
other things will happen. You might hear some things. You come across a room that was used by some ghost hunters and you find out some information there. And it's well done. And I think, like I said, the the tension and the atmosphere is handled pretty well, especially in certain moments. So the ghost hunter bit, when you're watching the VHS tape of them, when they spotted something and they ran off, that was super unbelievable. They did a horrible job with the acting and it just like, okay, I don't believe this at all. They don't sound that scared. And the actions that I'm seeing on this VHS that I'm watching, because this does take place in the, I don't know, cell phones are a pretty new thing. And you make a point to say, you know what? I could believe in ghosts or whatever, but I can't believe that everyone's going to be using cell phones in the near future. Are you fucking kidding me? That's ridiculous. What a stupid bit of dialogue that was. That's not word for word or anything, but it was something of that ilk. And I just thought, that is fucking stupid. But the story ultimately disappointed me. And as someone who has lost friends to suicide and who has friends who have attempted and survived, it's... It's a, a subject matter that is very close to me that I do think about in many ways, and I, I've always thought about it. I, I just think that the suicide of Rachel Foster is handled poorly and used in a way to push the story forward that I don't feel really comfortable with. And then the way it ends can go multiple ways, but I think putting you in that position is not great. I, I wasn't happy to be there. I was frustrated that I was forced to be put there. And I think you can get an idea of where things are going with that. But if you do want to check it out, it is available on at least Xbox One. I played all these games. Yeah, all these games on Xbox One. I think it's 20 bucks, but has like a launch window sale of $16. But uh, yeah, that is, again, The Suicide of Rachel Foster. And then I played maybe 15 minutes of Bounty Battle, which is a Super Smash Brothers type of game that has a few original characters, but is made up primarily of a lot of different indie characters. So you have the Steam World Dig dude. I don't know. Did he have a name or did you name him? I don't remember. But the main dude from that, you have some character from Owlboy. You have the Dead Cells dude. You have the guy from, or like the, the main looking dude from Darkest Dungeons. Is it Darkest Dungeons or Darkest of Dungeons? But you have a, a good assortment of indie characters. And it's uh, it's a fucking mess, at least on Xbox One. And I could only manage 15 minutes because it is just so broken and unplayable in its current form. Because when you're actually in combat playing a match with other opponents whether it's against ai or friends I, I don't know if there's online play i didn't bother looking because of how broken everything is but the problem with the game is that when you are in combat when you are playing a match the frame rate is horrendous it is horribly unstable and it regularly dropped to the teens maybe even the single digits i can't tell because i don't have that great of an eye but I can tell, like it's, it is very clear that it drops significantly frequent, not like every now and again, but half the time, maybe even more than half the time. It is just dropping all the time. Anytime some action is happening on screen, it just slows down so much, so often, and it's 
unplayable. It is absolutely terrible. And I will revisit it if it gets a patch that fixes this, which I hope it does because this is really, really bad. But even ignoring all that, based off of what I played, trying to just ignore all the issues with the performance, it didn't feel like it was fun. But again, that could be in large part because of the performance. I don't want to criticize the game itself when the performance is as bad as it is because it's hard to judge anything when all I can think about is how poor the game is performing. So at this point, Bounty Battle, at least on Xbox One, I can't speak to, and I'm playing on Xbox One X to clarify, so it shouldn't have any problem with performance. But at this point, at least again, only on Xbox One, I can't speak to any other platforms. It is unplayable, in my opinion, and you should just avoid it for now. Don't bother with it because it's just an absolute mess. Hopefully it gets updated really quickly because this is a really bad, like if it's this way for the launch and people are experiencing this, it's going to be a very bad thing and it's going to lead to a lot of bad word of mouth. So hopefully they can get that fixed sooner than later. Then I played some D-Leveled, which is a puzzle game that I really, really like. I've only played a little bit of it and I haven't played all that much this year, realistically. But T-Level is probably one of my favorite games of the year. And what I love about it is that it is a simple yet complex puzzler. And it does what I love so much about puzzle games. Like the, the puzzle games that I love do what this game does. And what it does is take a single mechanic and then builds levels around that, as opposed to just giving you more and more things you can do and then building levels around that. And why I prefer that type of puzzle game is that it leads to more creative and interesting level design as opposed to just trying to throw a bunch of different things you can do, which makes everything more complicated and just ultimately overcomplicates shit. So the the main mechanic in D-Leveled is that you have these two cubes that you move in unison. You're not moving them independently. And the only thing you can really do is move them left or right on these platforms, except maybe one of them will be up on top of a box and one will be just on the ground. And when you move off the box and hit the other cube, the momentum of your fall will push them up the same distance that you fell. And then they'll come back and hit that other cube and it'll just go back and forth if you are on the same platform, if you're on the same space. And you, you can use this to propel one box to a different area and so on. And it uses this in very creative ways. Like the level design is so great. And that is, unless things change much later on, that is the main mechanic of the game is just moving these cubes left or right, and using the momentum of falling off of spaces to propel the other cube and so on back and forth and just reaching new places that way. And you will come to these places where you have to flip switches and you turn them on and on. Like, it's just a very simple and creative puzzler that I really, really enjoy because it does, like I said, what I love in the puzzle games I do love, which is takes a single idea and constantly builds upon that and just makes things more intricate and elaborate and creative and interesting. It's just a very well-designed puzzler and 
I'm I'm a huge fan of it. I think if you like puzzle games, it's absolutely worth checking out. That is deleveled, and I can't recommend it highly enough. Then I played a little bit of Necromunda Underhive Wars a few hours or so, and it is a tactics game that I guess is reminiscent of something like Valkyria Chronicles, where you play it through a third-person perspective, and you can move around these areas. You have a certain number of action points that allow you to move and perform actions. And it's set, I think, in the Warhammer universe. But I know jack shit about the Warhammer universe. And it's just, it's so slow. And it's so boring. And I just, like, the environments are large. And there's so much empty space that is not utilized. And there are plenty of times where the AI is moving to this space. And I'm moving to this other space. And then we keep just not crossing paths. And just like, I just want to get this over with. And it's just ends up being frustrating because i just want to finish the level and i can't get it done and it's just i don't know it's just really slow and tedious and i wasn't enjoying it at all it looks okay but the texture quality is not great it just it was a real bummer because i wanted to like it i think there are only three different factions in it but it's just it's really boring Super, super boring. But the next game I'm talking about, Wintermore Tactics Club, is another tactics game, which you could probably guess from the title. And this is one of the most accessible tactic games I've played in a while. It's set in a university, I think. I'm not sure if it's a high school or a college. I feel like it's a college because the way it's set up with like the quad and the auditorium, like it feels much more like a college than a high school. <laughs> Any high school I've been to, I don't know about your fancy high schools or anything. But the way it's set up is that there is this tournament happening with all the clubs and schools where they all have to fight each other in order to find out the one true club and you belong to the whatever club that practices D and all that kind of stuff and you're able to use this to your advantage when you're fighting other clubs and you do some practice matches and you do various things in the club in order to learn new mechanics and, and stuff like that and then you fight other clubs and it is very clean simple it has a nice story that is well written and surprisingly engaging and the actual gameplay which is very advanced wars s for those types of tactics games that takes place on a small scale the single screen you're not scrolling or anything so you don't have a lot of space to work with it's very well done i'm enjoying it quite a bit and i think it's it's worth checking out if you're a fan of tactics games or maybe you're somebody who would like to get into them and want something that's a bit more accessible as an introductory to the genre. And if you like the, the whole theme of it, of it taking place at this school and the whole club is fighting each other and all that jazz, it's a, it's a nice little game. Then I did play some Tony Hawk's Pro Skater 1 and 2. I beat all of 1 and I'm almost done with 2. And what I was most surprised by was just how quickly everything clicked for me. I just fell right into the groove with everything. The only thing that was a little bit off was my timing because... I would get into the habit of just pressing buttons so often that I would keep doing a trick by the time I was ready to land on the ground, and that would lead to me ruining combos and stuff like that. But that was more just a me thing and being overly aggressive and trying to get the most out of anything. But it looks amazing. It plays so well, and I I dig the creative park thing that I've messed around with just a little bit, but I, I really want to get more into that. But I've been enjoying it a lot. However, it does cement in me the knowledge that I do absolutely at this point 
vastly prefer the skate type of gameplay over this. I like the more realistic take on it. And I also prefer, because the, the problem with Tony Hawk's Pro Skater as a series is that ultimately it's all about cheesing the game in order to get the best and highest combo. And that isn't ultimately the most fun thing to do in the world. So like the way I do it is that I will do some big trip. Maybe I'll do a 900, then I'll reverb out of that and manual and then i will do a whole bunch of different things while manual and so i'll do the whole thing you know i'll get on my hands i'll do a whole bunch of things that just keep adding to that multiplier and i'll do flip tricks in between i'll just do a quick little flip trick then back to manual to just keep adding on to that multiplier i'll do grinds and I'll do the same thing i'll do the what you might call it the lip tricks i'll just keep doing all these things and then adjusting them changing them a little bit so that i keep increasing the multiplier and it just is this weird thing that i don't think in any form of reality would actually be the way things work but it's just a way to take something that is worth a lot of points and then do everything else you can in order to inflate that multiplier as much as possible without losing your balance in one way or another and it works to get great points like i never have an issue getting the high scores or the sick combos or any of that shit that is like super super easy to do but as far as being fun to do i don't know like I've been enjoying my time of the game, which I think, though, is in part because I'm just going through it and completing all the objectives and collecting the sad points that allow me to make my character better and stuff like that. That's like just inherently fun for me. I'm a fan of doing that kind of stuff. But I think I'm already getting sort of the point where I'm a little burnt out, and that's probably why I took a break and haven't finished Tony Hawk's Pro Skater 2 and all its content, because once that happens, I don't know if I'm going to play that much more. I might just start dabbling with the creator park and doing a lot of that but it's it's weird i i really like the game but i don't know if it's gonna have the legs that i i don't even know if i was expecting it to have legs but i know that i'm never going to be able to compete with people in terms of high scores maybe i'll be able to compete with my friends and i guess i could do that but i've only seen i think one of my friends on xbox playing it i know a lot of friends have gotten it on ps4 or PC because they want to play with the DualShock 4 controller. But yeah, once I complete all that, I just don't know how much I'm going to return to it. Because even while I'm playing it, I'm thinking to myself, yeah, I, I like going through this and doing the whole two-minute thing where I have to collect the letters for skate and collect these objects and find this secret tape and do these few things that I have to do, like jump over the homeless people, blah, 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 blah. I enjoy doing all that. But I'm thinking to myself, when all that is said and done, while I can free skate in these levels, they are small and just the way it plays out and it being more over the top and arcadey, I would kind of just rather play Skate 3 via backward compatibility because I'm able to do that with Xbox One and it is an enhanced game and it looks great. I would rather do that if I just want to chill out and relax with the skater game. I don't think even in free skate mode, that I can relax with a Tony Hawk game. And I don't think that is a fault of the game. I don't think it's ever trying to be that type of game. It's always more of a high score game and more of a arcadey game. But I'm definitely realizing, not that it's to my surprise or anything, that I am way more excited about Skate 4 than this. But I, I still was excited about this and I ended up picking it up because I was just like, man, 
you know what? I do want to play this. Everyone's talking about how great it is. It looks incredible, and I've got an itch for a skateboarding game. I want this. But yeah, I just don't think I'm going to be sticking with it. I don't think it's going to be a game that stays on my hard drive forever like I maybe expected. So yeah. And I've seen some footage of Skater XL, and I really want to play that. I really, really want to play it. So hopefully that goes on sale at some point soon, and I'll pick it up then. Because Sessions is way too early, and it's just, I do not like that one at all. But Skater XL looks like it's more falling in line with the the skate sensibilities. Then the last game I played is Drake Hollow, which is that game about collecting these little, like, onion creatures that are in the earth, and you pick them up, and they're like, hey! they look so happy and so cute and then you got to protect them from invasions attacking your little campsite and you got to feed them and take care of them and i really like it you go around and you explore this relatively small world collecting resources and all that jazz in order to feed your little drakes in order to build new things and create things for them and build up defenses and stuff like that it seems like they're usually attacked every i don't know 20 minutes or so and it's, it's not too bad dealing with all that. The problem is, and I think it just means you can't have too many drakes. You can't just keep them all, even if you want them. Like with the beta, the one thing I was concerned with the beta is that it seemed like food resources were very limited. And once they were gone, they were gone for good. And while you are able to eventually build a little space to plant food, it's not something that is a refreshing resource. It doesn't keep coming back. And finding seeds is very limited in the world. And the store where you can purchase items from, they don't have like an unlimited number of seeds. It's not like you can purchase however many you want. We have an unlimited supply. It's like we have two bags of this food seed and three of this one come back in whatever 24 hours in-game or or something, and we'll have more inventory. So that's frustrating because I just, I, if you've seen the game play, like it's on Xbox Game Pass, you can check it out there. I just want to take all the drakes home with me because they're so cute. They're so cute. How can you say no to them? And so when I'm unable to feed them and they all look sad and they're all dying and they go back in the dirt because They've gotten so bored. Like, you also have to make sure they're entertained because if they get bored, they're like, I'm fucking going back in the dirt. If I'm not going to have anything to do out in the open, above ground, then I'm just going back in the ground. I'm going to go sleep. I don't need to deal with this shit. So you got to keep them entertained. You got to keep them fed. You got to keep them hydrated. You know, it's a lot of stuff to do, and you can't do it for all of them, seemingly, which is a bit of a bummer. Because they're just so damn cute. And I want to, I want them all. But I really like it. There is co-op, which I haven't messed around with yet. But again, it is on Game Pass. So it's absolutely worth checking out if you're at all interested in it. That is, again, Drake Hollow. But uh, that is it for what I've been playing and all that jazz. And I think I'm going to wrap things up right there. So that will do it for this here episode of the Pixelated Sausage Podcast. Once again, I am your host, Marcus Ness. Y'all can find me on Twitter and pretty much everywhere at PX Sausage. The site is, of course, pixelatedsausage.com, where you can find this podcast, Sound Amazingly Baca, and Attack the Backlog, all of which are available on podcast services across the globe. You can also check out my art on the site, and if you see something you like, you can purchase a print of the piece you fancy. And if you fancy the site in general and anything that we do, 
please go over to patreon.com slash pxs and support us that way. As always, thank you for listening. I hope you enjoyed this here episode and I hope you have a wonderful, wonderful rest of your day and an absolutely lovely weekend. Bye!